Hello, everybody, and welcome to the PGA Championship Tournament Preview video. I am John Hasselbauer. I go by PGA Tout on Twitter, so you can find me there. This is the PGA Championship, um, and I am so excited for the second major of the year. Um, we are coming back to New York, a uh, a neglected part of the country by the PGA Tour. For some reason, there are no tournaments in one of the biggest golf markets in the world with some of the most diverse uh, golf courses um, in the country. Um and we haven't really been here since the Northern Trust after that was sunset from the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs. So that's strange that they, they've they stopped coming to New York. But in any sense, I'm happy that they're back. It is upstate New York. So I've already seen a lot of comments of like, oh, I can't wait to see the, the raucous, rowdy New York fan base. Like, this is not like a Rangers game. This is not a Knicks game. Um, those fans are not in Rochester. So we're in Rochester. This is like a, a five minute, uh, sorry, a five hour drive from, uh, from, from like Manhattan. So it's not in the heart of the city. I'm sure they'll put like little, I don't know, the major is coming to New York and like a New York city skyline, like promo this week, but we are closer to Canada than we are to, uh, Manhattan, which means that we are going to have very different climate than anything we've seen so far this year. I feel like the entire um, golf season has been in sort of like the Southern United States up until this point, at least from a PGA tour standpoint. Um, and now we finally have a chance to see a little bit more conditions, which I think makes things a little more interesting. Uh, Justin Thomas caught some heat for saying that Rochester caught a little bit of snow uh, within the last few months, I don't think that's actually true, but uh, it is definitely not as warm as what we've seen in Texas and Florida for you know the last few the last few months on the PGA Tour. I think weather this week is going to be probably like 50s. So you know, from my perspective, I don't really find that to be cold. Um, but some people might be playing in sweaters and, and caps, especially if the wind picks up, especially if it gets wet. Um, seeing a little bit of inconsistency in the forecast this week, but it does seem like it's not going to be ideal playing conditions. So uh, as always, you know, something to keep an eye on. It's only uh, Tuesday right now. So we have one more day to really figure out exactly what the weather is going to be before tournament play starts on Thursday. But uh, it does seem like with what the weather is projecting to be, that there might be some weather wave advantage, whether you are trying to do some head to heads, um, or first round leaders. If there's a wave advantage, that might be something to keep an eye on at the 2022 PGA championship at Southern Hills, uh, weather played a, a significant factor. And, uh, Justin Thomas actually caught the bad weather wave and was one of very few to kind of hold his own when the weather was at, at its worst and lo and behold, he ends up winning, but he was kind of an exception. Everybody else from his wave, uh, was largely, you know, out of play because there was a lot of uh, wind and rain. I don't think it'll be that severe, but again, um, it's a major championship. You want to cover every base this week. Um, so something to keep an eye on, uh, before we get any further, you know, it is major championship week. I'm not going to spend any time on, uh, the AT&T Byron Nelson last week or the live, uh, the live tour event last week. I think both were, um, polar opposite conditions to what we're going to see here. So, 
Uh, Jason Day and Dustin Johnson won. Their price will be shorter, and I don't think it really matters because anything they had to do last week doesn't really translate to what you need to do at Oak Hill. Um, in terms of of this week, uh, I will will share my screen now to the uh, the player page here in my, my tournament preview. You can find that linked in the description to this video. While you're there, make sure you are subscribed. Please comment. Um, if you have a lean this week, somebody that you think is uh, under the radar uh, that you're going to be backing or somebody whose odds you think have slipped uh, to a point of, uh, you know, a must buy territory. Uh, the, the lines, in addition to all the content that we're going to be putting out this week for PGA Championship, we're also deep into NBA content, MLB content on a daily basis. So um, plenty of great content on this site. Uh, if you're subscribed, you won't miss a thing. Uh, so please make sure you do so. And then our Discord is, uh, you can see here, we have 170 members online at the moment. Um, and you can always subscribe to that Discord channel by clicking uh, this little uh, icon up here. I put all of my bets in for free because um, it is a free uh, Discord. Uh, you can see that at any point in time so that you're not missing out on any closed line value if you are interested in where my bets are. Um, or you can stay to the end of this video and see uh, who my bets are there as well. Um, all of it's free. That's the moral of the story. So um, getting to the task at hand with the 2023 PGA Championship at Oak Hill, um, what can I say that hasn't already been said in the first few uh, days of tournament week? Uh, Oak Hill has hosted six majors, or this will be the sixth. It's hosted five before, uh, three U.S. Opens and two PGA Championships. Um, the last time we were here was 2013 when Jason Duffner beat Jim Furyk. It was a hyper positional course at that time. It played under 7,200 yards. It was heavily tree lined to the point where, uh, players who hit the fairway still didn't have a direct angle to, to the green. Um, so not only was it important to hit fairways, but it was important to hit the right side of those fairways. Fairways, uh, yeah, the fairways were extremely pinched, so near misses were in the rough, and then it was just impossible to hold these greens. Um, but all of that being said, the winning score was 10 under. Uh, Jason Duffner set the core scoring record that year with a 63, which is 7 under. I think that uh, scoring record will be well protected given all of the um, adjustments that have been made to this course to make it play even more difficult. And I think that's a sticking point this week, too, is, um, you know, how will the changes in conditions affect play? The biggest change to this course you'll see is that uh, a lot of the trees, I believe it was over 600 trees, have been removed. Um, so it is still Oak Hill, but it's a little less oaky than the last time we saw it. Uh, it's definitely hilly. Uh, it's definitely elevated. They definitely have... Uh, greens that are elevated off the ground. So it's a little bit more tricky to roll it up onto these greens like we may have seen at a winged foot. Um, there are still like angles that you can take to do that, but uh, I still think it's important to play this course out of the fairway so that you can control the ball on these greens. They do slope from back to front, as we've seen with most Donald Ross designs. Um, and the the overarching... Um, decision by Andrew Green, who came in in 2019 to renovate this course, was to restore uh, everything that Donald Ross had intended. And, you, you know, just for background of why the trees were removed, this course was established over a century ago. And when the the oaks were planted on this course, 
um, they were much smaller and they grew to a point where they were blocking out views that were intended to be seen on this property. And they were blocking out uh, angles that were not meant to be hazardous or taken away for, for like, you know, they were not rewarding good shots on the fairway because they were still kind of blocking approach shots. So Andrew Green came in, he opened it up just a little bit. A lot of people are going to say because he's opening it up, it's more like favoring the bombers, favoring a one-dimensional approach and making it easier. I don't believe any of that because the uh, green side complexes are much more difficult. I love what he did with the bunkers here. It used to be, you know, you would expect a PGA Tour pro to get up and down out of the rough, uh, sorry, out of the out of a greenside bunker because they're so skilled there, and it's really not that penal. These sand traps are actually hazards. Um, we kind of saw this at Southern Hills too, where the 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 sand was so coarse that you couldn't really spin out of it, and guys were having so much trouble getting it close when they hit it into the bunkers. Um, not necessarily because of the the coarse grain this time around, but just the the ruggedness, the way that this this trap kind of looks to the eye, the way that it's going to roll into these traps is going to be a lot of awkward, you know, stances outside of the, uh, outside of the, the traps, um, just uncomfortable, you know, positioning And here. You're not going to roll to the center of these, these bunkers either. So, um, it's not going to be easy to get up and down for par out of these sand traps and, yeah, you, know, you can look at Sand Staves gained. I think that that helps, but this is just going to be such a different beast than what everybody's used to seeing. It's just going to be all around difficult to scramble if you miss greens. So I think that puts a premium this week on ball striking. You know, that's nothing new at a major championship. This is playing just under 7,400 yards. Um, so length is going to be important. I would say it's not, um, I don't think it's a prerequisite to be long. Here, I think it's extremely helpful to be average and above average in distance. I think you are definitely in trouble if you were below average in, dis in distance. Um, but Wingfoot was a course where if you were top 10 in driving distance, you were just going to do well because nobody could hit those fairways. It was just hit it as far as you can, advance it out of the rough, get it close to the green. Those greens were massive, so you could just get on there, and then it kind of became like a lag putting uh, contest, if that's a thing, or just you know a par fest. I mean, uh, Bryson was the only player to shoot under par there. Um, this course is not at Oak Hill is not long for the sake of being long. It's it's long in the right places. There's seven uh, par fours that are over 450 yards, but none are over 500. So they're all kind of concentrated in that 450 to 500 range. Um, there's a creek, Allen's Creek, that runs throughout this course that is um, going to force layups here to the point where I think it does mitigate the distance advantage just a little bit. And the par fives, just looking at the course overheads, listening to the players, looking at the yardage, I think it's going to be really tough for players to reach these par fives in two. Again, the creek comes into play, which kind of um, kind of forces a layup here. And it's just, there's so much trouble around these greens that hitting a 280 yard shot into these really small greens with hazards everywhere is probably not even their best bet. So I think a lot of players are going to be encouraged to lay back, uh, make these par th fives a three shot hole. And if none of these par fives are going to be reached in two, then it's really going to be difficult to find too many birdie opportunities here. So 
Um, what I see is a scrambling contest um, where players with above average distance are going to position themselves the best, but also players who can play from the fairway are going to actually be the only ones who can generate birdie opportunities because it's just going to be near impossible to hold these greens on approaches from from the rough. So step one, hit the fairway ideally far. Step two, hit the green and avoid the 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 uh, hazards that you need to avoid. And they're going to tuck these pins and really bait people into you know you need to hit a perfect shot to hit it close to get a birdie opportunity. And if you don't, you're probably going to be laying back conservatively to the middle of these greens, which are not that large. Um, give yourself like a 30 foot birdie putt, walk away with your par and move on. I think that's going to be what most of these holes are, especially the par five, par threes, which are all over 200 yards. Uh, or sorry, um, three of the four are over or are, are well over 200 yards. So a lot of long iron approaches. That's nothing new for a major championship. And, um, you know, I, I just think this is going to be a stacked leaderboard where the guys who show up in majors are going to show up at this course because it just embodies every single thing you would look for um, at a major championship venue. It looks the part. The conditions are going to be really interesting, but I think they're going to be fair. Um, it's not bombing gouge as far as everything that I've seen. It's, it really is a course where... You, it's fair. You could play a little bit more conservatively and hit some fairways. It's not pinched to the point where nobody's going to be hitting them, which was the issue at, at winged foot. So I'm really excited to see this play out. Um, that's sort of the, the high level, like everything that I am expecting of this course. Um, but of course we have a whole lot more. That's not just high level in my tournament preview. Again, that is linked in these, uh, description here. Um, we are covering everything in this article from uh, just the odds on favorites in this odds table. We have all the qualification criteria. I think that was a hot button topic this week uh, because not everybody who, um, who I, I guess the 150 best world golf rated players in the world are not here. Um, there are some stipulations like uh, past PGA senior champion gets in here. There's 20 PGA professionals in the field this week, which really takes us from a field of 156 to a field of 136, uh, which is still about double um, of what we saw at the Masters. So it's a much more competitive field uh, this week than what we saw last week. Um other notes on on the field itself, it's going to be John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, co-favorites this week. They were essentially co-favorites um, at the Masters for the first major of the year. Rory McIlroy was sort of in that trio at the Masters, and he sort of drifted a little bit further back with um, two missed cuts and an ugly top 50 finish, I believe, at Quail Hollow, where he has never played poorly before in his entire career. Um, so Rory, you can get a little bit of a discount on, let me see what his odds are now. He's, he's about 11 to one, uh, consensus odds. You could probably find a 12 at this point. If you are interested in Rory in theory, if, if he just kind of snaps out of this funk and brings his best stuff, which he is always liable to do that. Um, it's a perfect fit for him. He can hit, he can clear these fairway bunkers. He can fly it, you know, 320 on command he can hit fairways at a high clip uh he hits that high ball flight which is really necessary on uh courses like this that are firm and fast and hard to hold uh the greens on so he's played well at all the comp courses all the difficult scoring condition courses 
Um, John Rahm, for what it's worth, was the third favorite at the Masters, sort of the forgotten man of the big three um, going into that week, and he won. So I don't think you have to overreact to the form. Um, but if you want to get like a discounted price, there's guys with better immediate form, I would say. Brooks, Cantlay, and Xander are in significantly better form right now uh, with less question marks than Rory McIlroy, and they're available at, at double the odds. So I think naturally um, the market is is noticing that these those three guys in Kepka, uh, Cantlay, and Xander are extremely popularly bet this week. Rory I've seen on like one or two cards total, so the guys are a little scared um, given the recent form, but you've heard this before. He's a member at... Uh, Oak Hill, his wife, um, is from Rochester or the surrounding area. He has seen this course a bunch. He hung out here a lot during COVID. Um, so he's familiar. Um, I don't know how much of an edge that really gives you. He doesn't live in Rochester. Obviously, he lives in Florida. So he's seen the course. He's seen a post-renovation that, that's worth something. Um, but the best players in the world will find a way to get a couple practice rounds in throughout the year at the PGA Championship venue. Um, so I don't think he's the only one who's ever played this course before which means I, I think that narrative is a little overblown. Um, also going through the, uh, I guess the changes to Oakville, we've already really talked about it. It's not going to be positional like it was in 2013. It's much longer now. It's much more open. Um, and it really just embodies all the characteristics of a major championship venue, classical tree line design. Um, we've seen this type of course in a wing foot, in a Beth page black, in a brook line. Uh, although Brookline is probably the least um, least likely to be overpowered with driver. And I think that despite the the current prevailing narrative that this is wing po- winged foot 2.0, um, I do think fairway finders who are about, like average in driving distance will do well here. Um, if you're hitting 200-yard approaches on every hole and you're still in the fairway, I think you're still going to have some trouble, especially if the if the conditions are what they are. I would rather have like a 150 shot from the rough than a 200 from the fairway here um, over the totality of the tournament. Um, so, you know, that's something to consider. But in general, my betting card is not going to be bomber, bomber, bomber. It's, it's more I'd rather you be well-rounded, especially with your short game. You're just going to have to lean on that so much. If you have a bad short game, it's going to be really hard to hide it. Um, anything else worth noting for for um, for Oak Hill? I'll switch over to the PJ Championship odds page, which you can also find on uh, thelines.com if you just search for PJ Championship odds. Um, this goes even into even more depth. You can see the full betting board here. You can see how it is really a big 2.5. Um, of Scheffler and Rom, and then Rory is kind of in this no man's land by himself. You can get him as long as 14 now, so he continues to drift even further. Um, and then there's this sort of hodgepodge of uh, uh, Cantlay, sorry, Xander, Cantlay, Kepka, Finout, DJ. There's 35 here, but predominantly he's in that like mid 2500 uh, range. Day, Thomas, and um, and, and Morikawa, I would say, are kind of in those, like, 20s range. Um, hard, to, hard to make a stance there. I did, personally. I picked two out of that group. I think the decision here from a betting standpoint is do you make an extremely short card uh, and essentially single bullet it with Scheffler and Rom, one or the other, or do you hedge your exposure across multiple of these other names? I never find it very fun to do a single bullet 
uh, bet, especially at a major when like the entertainment value is at an all time high. So yes, I, I can't poke any holes in anybody who wants to bet Scheffler or Rom. They're both playing exceptional. They will almost certainly be top 10, top 20 finishers this week. Uh, but from my perspective, I just couldn't get there. If it was like 10 to one, I absolutely would have been there. Um, but I just couldn't do it as a single bullet. So I chose to skip, but if either of them win, I won't be surprised. And I'll have plenty of exposure to both of those players in, uh, in DFS. I would say probably all of my lineups will have one of the two of those. So we'll see how that goes for me. Um, going past the odds board. And again, this is where actually, let me go back to the top because we are sorting for, um, to win, but I think something that probably bears repeating is you can look up any prop market you want just by going to this PGA championship odds page. Um, you got the grid across all the legal sports books in your state. You can even filter it by state. So if you're in a different state, um, it'll show you which legal books are available in that one. Um, so not just win, but because it's a, a major, we get all of these secondary markets. Um, I always bet these markets in major in in the masters. I'm not a hundred percent sure if I will go this far to, to do like top debutante for, um, for the PGA championship. I, I think that might be a little unnecessary. Um, but you can also do like top English player. You can see here, Tyrrell Hatton's in the best form. It's a pretty even race actually, um, for all these guys. Matt Wallace is somebody who's so hit or miss. He might even be worth digging a dabble here because he was someone who played really well at like a Beth page black, for example. Um, so that's just something to, to consider this week. We also have first round leader, um, Marcus, which you can also use this page to filter for. So getting past the odds grid, we'll look at the course breakdown as well. Um, just to avoid being repetitive, I would say, you know, we've, we've covered all of these specs already, but comp courses is the one last thing that I do want to, um, speak a little bit on. I think that's going to be crucial when we get to a brand new course that we've never seen before. Um, what, what courses embody similar characteristics that we can draw from. Um, for me, I think the number one course comp, um, well, there's, there's a few, I would say the, uh, number one major course comp is for me, the country club at Brookline where we have the U S open. I think the ruggedness of the hazards around the green here, um, it's a little bit less quirky at, at Oak Hill where you had like, sort of like natural quarries, um, rock foundations and, and stuff like that, that just kind of came into play randomly. Um, but it's it's a course that's going to emphasize total driving and and not something that I think every contender needs to be uh, above average in driving distance. I was very high on Colin Morikawa at the uh, at the U.S. Open last year, and he was the best player in the field for three out of four rounds, and he had one awful round. So he, I think he still should have won the U.S. Open last last year. I was on him. Uh, I was also on Will Zalatoris, so a lot of close calls, but. Um, I think that's a, a good reference point, uh, for this week. And then we've also talked about Beth page black and, um, and Wingfoot as sort of like Northeast classical long courses with elevated greens. I think all of those comps make sense outside of those, those three, which I would say are in their, their own tier. 
Um, the other like recent major venues I think make sense to reference here would be Southern Hills, the host of the 2022 PGA Championship, uh, Kiowa Island. Although um, I I actually just played Kiowa Island up here. Um, I don't think the driving is comparable really at all, um, but it's a course that's suitable to players with longer driving distance and then around the green kind of hitting these like chip shots into elevated greens with tricky um, sand hazards. Um, I think that can be translatable and, and the scoring was extremely difficult that week. I think we will, uh, we should expect to see similar challenging scoring conditions this week. Torrey Pines, another one where you're just going to get a lot of like long iron approaches from over 200 yards from penal rough into like tricky greenside complexes um, and thick rough around the green. I think all of that makes sense here. You get a little bit more character out of Oak Hill. You get a little bit more like strategic um, holes where it might like make sense to lay up off the tee more often here than it would at Torrey Pines. Um, but I, I think if you played well at Torrey Pines, you, you could do well here as well. Um, and then from a non-major standpoint, I really like Muirfield Village here. I think just the way that this course looks, the way it's manicured, the way that it just like is easy on the eyes. They're upkept in a very similar way. They're both very similarly tree-lined. They have creeks that come into play, a lot of water that you have to kind of navigate past and some tricky thick rough around the greens um, and fast bent green, bent grass greens. So there's a lot about Muirfield Village that I love this week um, from, a, from a course comp standpoint, and we will be there in two weeks. So something to also be mindful of. Um, depending on how players play this week, I think that could translate well for the Memorial. Um, and then lastly, I, I also have like Quail Hollow, Augusta National, and Bay Hill in here, Riviera, just challenging um, week-to-week PGA Tour courses. Um, East Lake is a Donald Ross design. I, I don't think it's a great comp, but none of the Donald Ross courses that we see on the PGA Tour between East Lake and uh, Sedgefield and Detroit Golf Club they're just not really the best comps. They're all like very positional, which is actually what Oak Hill used to be. Um, but this is a whole new element of needing driving distance, which I think at the difficult scoring conditions and need to be long, which are two combined characteristics that just are not really present in any other, um, any other course. And it is kind of difficult to draw any trends out of Eastlake with the, the staggered start um, scoring conditions. But you know, Xander Schauffele and Rory McIlroy are probably the two best players at that course. Um, and I think they both stack up to play very well here. So maybe there's something in that as well. Um, that, I think, is everything I can say about Oak Hill. Um, so I will now switch it over to my model. And we'll talk a little bit about the key stats that I think are most important for Oak Hill this week. I will zoom in a little bit more. So you can get a better view of that. Um, and yeah, so looking at the key stats this week, I would say comp course history, all those courses that we just went through, um, that's where I want to use as a basis. This is not a course, especially when we talk about uh, last week being played at ATT Byron Nelson at um, Craig Ranch. Like there's nothing I, I really care about that translates from that course to this course. I think the PGA Tour did. A poor job of scheduling to have that be your like quote unquote tune up week. I think in other weeks, even like TBC San Antonio works as a tune up. 
um, in the Valero Texas Open for for Augusta just because um, it's long. You have a lot of like long iron shots. There's it can be tricky, especially if the wind picks up. Like that can be a tune up course. There's nothing about TPC Craig Ranch that really sets anybody up for Oak Hill, and it's not particularly close geographically to Rochester. So they could have got a better field if they picked a different course that was, I don't know, in the New York metropolitan area, um, which continues to be, yeah, you know, disregarded by the PGA Tour. But in any case, um, those comp courses should serve well. Dry, uh, like difficult scoring conditions is, is what we care about, whether that be in majors or just difficult PGA Tour stops. Um, I put approach around the green and off the tee rather than doing just a blanket tee to green. I want all three of those segmented out. I really, if you're elite in, let's say, approach and around the green, but you're terrible off the tee, that's not what I want to see here. And if you look for these sort of outliers, it's like Victor Hovland, elite in approach and off the tee, but awful around the green. No, thanks. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, granted, more recently, his approach game has turned around. But if you're a player who is elite off the tee and elite around the green, but not good with your approach play, just not that's just a player that I'm going to start to kind of strike through when I go through the list here. And then you have Colin Morikawa, who's 85th and around the green again, another player who is probably going to get exposed over four rounds when he misses these greens. Nobody's going to hit these greens at like 80% in regulation. So that's where your bogeys are going to come from. If you're missing too many, um, too many greens and you can't scramble reliably. So got to be good in all three of these stack categories. Um, I also put stroke skin to green over the last 12 rounds, just to make sure I'm, I'm picking up on the guys who are in the best immediate form over the last three rounds, uh, leading in. I have uh, strokes gain total in majors over the last five years. So I just plugged in all of the major venues I did, um, will caveat that I didn't include the open championship. I think that's just an entirely different test. The elements play a factor that they don't necessarily hear. Um, and the open championship last year at, um, St. Andrews became more of a birdie fest, not exactly demanding conditions. Um, so these major, um, strokes gain total, um, metrics are pulling from the masters, the PGA championship and the U S open over the last five years. Um, par four scoring from 450 to 500. I don't typically harp too much on hole ranges, but, um, seven holes will be between this range at Oak Hill. And I think that is actually going to like make or break the tournament. So, um, just to look at who these players are, who score well on, um, long par fours, um, it's Cantlay, Homa, Justin Thomas, Scheffler, Finau, like that top five, it, it, Makes sense. Those are guys who play well in difficult conditions. They have, um, you know, proven they can win on long courses. Um, and just are that that's what separates, um, a player who's good in difficult conditions versus a player who's good in a birdie fest, because these are going to be your bogey holes. And if you either birdie them or just avoid bogeys on these holes, these seven, um, you're going to be positioned very well to, to do well this week. Um, I've got proximity from 200 plus here at a smaller weight. Um, but I do think that's important as well, just because we're looking at about 7,400, um, on a par 70. So that is going to be important. And all of the par threes will feature those long, um, 200 plus approaches, bent grass putting. That's important this week. Um, Augusta is really the last pure bent course we've seen. Um, and before that you'd have to look back to the 2022 season. So we haven't seen a lot of bent 
there are players like a Patrick Cantlay who just seem to show up on bent grass only. Um, Jordan Spieth is another good example of that. Um, so there are bent specialists. Uh, bent is primarily what we see in the Northeast. Um, even like Beth Page is kind of listed as POA, but it's nothing like a West Coast POA. And, and even Beth Page Black was sort of a POA bent mix. Um, so if you've played well and putted well in the Northeast, especially in the state of New York, um, you'll be used to this type of grass. Uh, and that might give you an edge over somebody who lives in like Florida full time and, and specializes in Bermuda. Definitely a different, different surface. Um, bogey avoidance, driving distance, sand saves, and total putting. And then scrambling. These are all just like kind of primarily short game stats um, just to round out one like a cohesive, well-rounded player this week. Um, and driving distance is something I only put 5% weight on it because I think, you know, that that's more like a testament to I care more about well-roundedness than driving distance. But also if you've played well in the comp courses and you've played well to majors, you probably are inherently a long player. So it's not completely lost. It's not like it's only 5% weighting. Um, okay, so that is everything I'm looking for in a player this week. Um, if we zoom in on who the top five is, uh, sorry, the top 10 in the model, um, typically in a uh, major week, there are very few surprises. I would say that is the case here once again with John Rahm, uh, number one in the model. He's followed by Tony Finau, Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay in the top five, and then Jason Day coming off that win. Scotty Scheffler all the way down at seven. That's a little surprising, but I think that is being driven primarily by this proximity from 200 plus, uh, reckoned near last in the field, which is surprising. Um, that could actually just mean that he is not leaving himself 200 yards out too often as he's um, one of the longer hitters in this field. So that is... Um, definitely something that I am going to keep an eye on because he is fourth in uh, par four scoring from 450 to 500, um, which is typically the types of holes where you do get those 200 plus approaches from. Um, so that's interesting. I, I don't think he should be that low. And, and I think it's really just the, the 200 plus that's driving him down. So I still like Scotty, even though he's seventh in the model. Um, Xander Shoffley is eight. Justin Thomas is nine and Max Homa is 10. Um, I also have this listed here by odds. This was this is kind of stagnant. This is what the odds were on Sunday, I want to say. So there have been some odds movement. But I will fo I will filter this now to my outright bets. Um, so for the PGA Championship, I have six outrights on my card. Um, I did toy around with the idea of betting a single bullet with Rom or Scheffler, but ultimately uh, there was a lot of like characteristics that I was looking for that I found. A uh, little separation in those key categories from that secondary tier in the 20s versus um, versus just the number one or number two player in the field. So hopefully this also adds a little entertainment value, um, even if Rom or Scheffler kind of run away with it and have like a big lead on Sunday. If I have like a chaser in the mix, um, that'll still work. I'll still be happy to, to track that along. Uh, I started my card with Patrick Cantlay. He is a popular bet this week. I just think he was mispriced. I, I think... Um, he should be the consensus for fourth best player in the world right now after, um, after Rom Scheffler and Rory. Um, I think he is in better form right now than Rory. So I would say his form is probably third best in the world at the current moment. Um, and he's number one in par four scoring from 450 to 500. He's number one putting on bent grass. We saw what he did 
at the uh, 2021 BMW Championship at Caves Valley, where he literally single-handedly won it with his putter. Um, his putting, if we look at more like immediate, is getting better, uh, but it was pretty bad um, to start the season. So it's nice to see that he's kind of turning it around there. Um, everything else from T to green has been solid. He's actually um, the number one player strokes gain off T this week, which I think is massive. You would think Rory McIlroy, you would think John John Rahm. It's actually Patrick Cantlay, who's the number one um, player from off the tee over the last 36 rounds. Uh, he's added a ton of driving distance and he's hitting it accurately. And that's what you need to do in a major. He has this reputation, which I talked about before I bet him at the Masters, where he can't get it done in the majors. Now he's finished top 15, I believe, in three consecutive majors, and he's added Joe LaCava to the bag. So uh, all of these things are positives. Um, things are trending in the right direction. He was my preseason pick to win the Open Championship. I still haven't even bet that because I haven't been able to buy low on it. Um, he's probably around these odds for that, too. And depending on how he looks, I might, I might jump on that soon as well. But he's going to win a major soon within the next couple of years, I would say. And seems to be another good opportunity while he's, while he's still clicking on all cylinders. My next bet is Justin Thomas. He was ninth in my model. Um, he was somebody I wrote up in my tournament preview, so you can read more in depth on him there. Um, but, uh, you know, just somebody who can win a scrambling contest. He's won the PGA Championship twice um, at Quill Hollow and last year at the um, at Southern Hills. So um, he kind of backdoored his win there, but he also was playing in unfair conditions. Uh, where you got a bad a bad weather draw. He's one of the best uh, around the green players in this field. I really do think this will end up being a scrambling contest. He's number two in strokes gained around the green. He has the distance um, to contend on a course this long. And we've just seen him play well on these types of courses. Everything's going to really boil down to the putter with him. But I think he can get focused, get dialed for a major and um, you know hit enough putts where it's really more about lag putting putting. Um, for someone like him who has elite ball striking. So we'll see, but I feel pretty good about uh, his chances this week. Uh, Max Homa is next. He was a future that I put in uh, in January, right after he won um, the Farmers. Yes. Uh, and he will be on my U.S. Open card as well. Definitely somebody that you don't want to fade in California, but he has played well on the East Coast as well. He's won, um, he's won at Quail Hollow. He's won at TBC Potomac. Um, he's also one at Riviera, which I think is a really good comp to this. Uh, another player like Cantlay, who has the game to play well in a major, but hasn't quite had the results where he's contended here. And I think that's the only reason why he's being priced. I got him at 50 to one, but even at 40 to one. Um, I think that's just, he's just too due to have his game line up with, um, with a major championship. And this seems to be the right type of course that rewards hitting a straight ball off the tee, uh, with plus distance and, you know, leaning on elite long irons. Um, Homa is also tied with Cantlay as, as uh, co number ones in this 450 to 400 range. So somebody who can score well from that longer range and not fall back on the difficult holes. Um, I'll, I'll go in a little bit over here. This has been a long video, so I won't, um, dive too deep into the bottom of my card. I think all the win equity is, is here. And then the, the last three guys I bet here are more like just really good numbers that I didn't want to pass up on. And, and I had some room on my card and wasn't really like jumping out the rest of the middle of the board for me. 
So Ricky Fowler, I got him at 90 to one. Um, you look at what Rose and Day have done this year, kind of turning back the clock and eventually just finding it all piecing together in one week. That's what Fowler has done. He's finished top 20 damn near every week um, this season. I think he's had um, 13 consecutive um, top 30 finishes on the PGA Tour. He contended at the Zozo, um, has that all-around game, has finished uh, in contention plenty of times at the majors, uh, but still chasing his first major win. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it came this week, just a, a veteran player who knows how to play strategically, uh, whose game is clicking you know, in, in all facets. Um, I'll skip to, to Gary Woodland next. I got him at 125 to 1. Um, just an elite ball striker. You look at the, the number, series fifth in... Uh, strokes gain off the tee. He's eighth in uh, strokes gain tee to green over the last 10, 10 rounds, second in proximity 200 plus. So all the ball striking numbers that you want to see, he's elite in it. He's even 14th in um, strokes gain approach. So um, just striking it immaculately right now. Obviously the putter is bad, um, but he putted well at, uh, at the masters. He was top 15 in the field in strokes gain putting at the masters. That was bent grass. That was the only time we've seen bent grass. So, uh, maybe there is something about Bent that that catches his eye. If he just puts level to the field, which is a huge ask, um, you know he'll be in the mix, and he's won a major before. So um, I just think it's a good value. Uh, it's a long shot for a reason, but he has the ball striking chops to hang with anybody in this field. Uh, and then lastly, Mito. Uh, I don't get a chance to talk about Mito very much anymore since he went to live. Um, didn't actually get to really talk too much about how I feel the live players are going to do this week, but. I would say I expect in general a step back uh, compared to the Masters from the Live guys. Uh, there were three, I think, top five finishers from Live at Augusta, and I just feel like that's a course where you don't really need any semblance of form going in to play well. You kind of just know the shots, you know the course, you can lean on course history there. Um, here, I'm a little bit more concerned that that the Live guys just haven't been playing on difficult scoring conditions at all on that tour and they haven't really had to grind and every course they play is this like go low birdie fest so far, at least um, where they're not really being tested all around. And I think that's something that's going to be uh, necessary uh, to tap into that experience when we get to an Oak kill. Um, so in general, I'm fading like Cam Smith, DJ um, Brooks, I think is a different story because he just shows up uh, when he needs to, but I don't think we're going to get these surprise like Patrick Reed and Phil Mickelson um, charging up the leaderboards this year. Mito, on the other hand, uh, this is a redemption week. He embarrassed himself um, <laughs> at the 2022 Southern Hills um, PGA Championship. I was, of course, there. I'm always betting Mito when I can. I was thinking about making this an unofficial bet and just like doing it and not endorsing it. But at 190 to one, I do endorse it. Um, we don't have a lot of stats from the live tour, but he has been striping it um, from T to green everywhere where that we can get shot link data this year. Um, putting kind of comes and goes, but from what I recall with Mito, he, he was best on bent grass um, last, last season. So it's going to be hit or miss on the greens, but I mean, this guy's going to be haunted by the, the PGA championship for the rest of his life. If he never wins one, we don't know how many more uh, majors he's going to get a chance to play in. Um, and this is a course that is a, a stern tee to green test. Uh, and the tee to green game has not regressed since last year whatsoever. So it would feel so like so much retribution 
if Mito could come back and win this year at odds that are really just as long as he was last year. I mean, he was consensus like 200, 250 to one before he almost won in 2022. And now he is uh, 190 is what I got him at. So of course, I'm going to bet that number. Um, I might even consider a top 20 on him. I'm not sure. It's kind of tough. Like he might have his demons come right back out. Um, and that may affect his play again this year. We'll have to wait and see. But um, in any case, it'll be nice to sweat Mito again. I have no animosity towards him for going to live. Uh, I am excited to see him play again. So hopefully he doesn't embarrass himself. Uh, and hopefully we have a better result than we did in 2022. Okay, that is going to wrap it up for PGA Championship. I talked a lot. This is my longest video I've ever made um, so far on the channel, but I appreciate you guys sticking along um, throughout this video. I hope you found all of this information helpful. Um, if you did, make sure you do comment, like, subscribe on this video. Follow me on Twitter at PGA Tout and check out my articles on thelines.com for everything you need to know. Uh, week to week in golf betting. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you guys again and best of luck with your PGA Championship bets.